listeners to Undersong, Race and Conversations Otherwise. Undersong represents a commitment to amplifying the space for listening to what gets too easily buried, erased, or forgotten. In listening to the uncomfortable legacies of empire and coloniality that shape the present, this podcast serves as a local and global platform to exchange critical thought around race and the making of worlds otherwise. So welcome listeners. We are really excited to have with us today Uncover Ed, which um, I know many of our listeners are probably already familiar with. Uncover Ed is a collaborative student-led archival project launched in 2018 at the University of Edinburgh. Initiated as a collaborative and decolonizing research project, Uncovered aims to situate the global status of the University of Edinburgh in its rightful imperial and colonial context. institution but like what can we still do within that or like how how can Uncover Ed exist within that and what kind of space can we create? We have Hannah McGurk who is a writer and facilitator from South London. She is the head of outreach at Project Myopia, an organization dedicated to decolonizing curricula and teaching practices a project coordinator at Uncover Ed, an assistant director of the Fringe of Color Film Festival 2020. Hannah is currently a final undergraduate student at the University of Edinburgh studying English literature and German. We can use the archive as a way to investigate and also interrogate like the past, present and future and, and use what's in it to kind of turn like history and ideas on its head. Natasha Thimbiso Rowana is a Scottish Zimbabwean artist, researcher, and programmer. They are interested in Afrofuturist storytelling through the poetics of the landscape, working across various media, including digital performance, film, DJing, and writing. Their current projects, Black Geographies, Ecologies, and Spatial Practice, is an exploration of space, place, and the climate as related to Black identities and histories. Natasha is interested in different forms of magic and is in particular drawn to the power of the moon. We found out that the university really was um, uh, knew itself as an imperial university, as a site of empire, as an agent of empire. Leah Gagliardi Ventre is a writer and researcher from Italy. Her main writing motif rests on the social anthropology and philosophy of language and fiction as they relate to the making of material contexts. Leah looks at the construction of histories from a deconstructivist vantage point, focusing on the present and ongoing legacies of imperialism and colonialism in Europe. She's also project coordinator for Uncover Ed, currently researching the colonial anatomy of the University of Edinburgh through the works of medical doctor and philosopher Theophilus Scholes. Why are we here? Why have we been here in the past? And what collectively are we building in our world? 
as an academy, what is the role of an academy? What does it reproduce in society? And how are we active and complicit in the reproduction of those things? Tanatsi Gambora is a contemporary intermedia artist, poet, and cultural practitioner. Her interests are drawn from personal experience, exploring the themes of Black womanhood through an anti-colonial and transnational lens. Central to her focus are issues of geopolitics, indigeneity, and futurism. A historian, geographer, and cultural theorist at heart, she takes a research-based approach to her practice, often centering archival material as the basis of her work. What a fantastic set of guests that we have here. I think we could do an entire episode on your research projects and interests alone. So it's such a treat to have you here. Thank you for joining this conversation. You know, as an entry point, I thought it might also be curious to listeners to know more about not just how you emerged, why you emerged, when you emerged, but tell us also about maybe the title, um, Uncover, Uncovered or uh, Uncover Ed. And what does the title, what does it signify? What does it mean for all of you? So I'm reminded of um, a proverb, a Shana proverb. I come from um, the Shana um, ethnic group from um, the region known as Zimbabwe. And I'm reminded of a proverb that goes Matenga. And what that means is, um, I mean, a direct translation is that what covers roofs, what covers houses is roofs, our roofs, just mere roofs cover houses. And what that proverb um, kind of uh, gestures towards is this idea of we, we don't know what happens within spaces, within the intimacy of buildings and um, spaces. We see a roof covering these spaces. And I would like to turn that towards institutions, academic institutions, such as the University of Edinburgh, that we see or know as a formidable structure within the academic landscape here in the UK and internationally. Um, but what really happens inside and what has helped to build that structure and furnish its roof um, is a history that is covered by that roof and is not necessarily visible or obvious um, to the outside world. And so I think Uncovered is very much about unpicking that roof or opening it and seeing what's inside and what legacy and what history um, forms the foundation of this roof and what might not be obvious to uh, the mere onlooker. And so our work is very much about um, exposing the hidden, uh, exposing the intentionally covered, the intentionally erased, the intentionally silenced, um, and also um, the unintentional consequences of that history. Um, and so, yeah, it's so, it's so important for me to bring that back to my Indigenous understanding of the world, um, but looking at the university, not only as a physical architecture or physical structure, um, but a, a social and historic one as well that has a roof over its head, but has an insight that I think we're, we're all, um, we would all like to know. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a really powerful description. Thank you for sharing that. It makes me think that you're kind of excavating both the architecture, but also the infrastructure of this, of this um, 
institutional history. Yeah, I, I wanted to say that, um, yeah, thank you so much, Tana, for, for that response um, and that introduction to the title, which came, um, came to us on our first, very first meeting in 2018, in September. The project used to be, used to have another name, which was um, The World Came to Scotland, I believe. And um, as a group, um, we, came, we came up with an alternative name because we weren't, um, we weren't all, all uh, happy with that original name. Tana just gave, yeah, just a perfect description for what, what it stands for. Yeah. And what was the, what was the moment? Like, what were the, what was the moment that Uncover Ed was able to constellate around? Or what was the kind of catalyst? Because I imagine that, um, I imagine that there might have been other student groups prior to Uncover Ed that were trying to also excavate some of these histories, or maybe not, I'm not sure. But can you talk a little bit about what was particular about this moment that you all came together? What was that like? What were you responding to? So I think at the point we all came to the project, it had started as um, this research project with the Vice Principal International, James Smith, and then the two PhD candidates, um, Henry D and Tom Cunningham. Um, but by the time we were hired, I think all of us had a kind of student activism background in some way. Um, and we spent this time going through the archives of the university and looking for students and these stories in different ways. Um, and I think I think it was just li literally on that first day, maybe even after a few hours in the archive, we were like, wow, this is a lot. <laughs> like it's, um, it's violent and it's historic and it's not just our personal experiences, but it goes back so much further. Um, so there really was a moment of, is it uncovering in the sense of like the archive is so tangled and it's so obscured and it's not a simple case of being able to go back and kind of tally these students but um it's it was so um can't think of a better word than covered <laughs> so there was a moment for a lot of us I think where it was like I don't know I think also feeling empowered in the sense that we'd been hired and we had the time and space and the money and the, like, the resources to do this um I think that was quite an empowering moment that we were able to like consolate around and be like, we can really do something with this. And that's why it has to be more than just the world came to Scotland. It has to be about us and what we can find in the archive. And um, like Hannah was saying about like the intimacies there and bringing, bringing humanity to it really. Do you want to share more about what is the relationship that you all have to this archive? You know, because it strikes me that there's so many different archival um, practices that we might hold, right? We may read the archive um, counterintuitively. We may read the archive against the grain. We may read the archive along the grain, right? As Ann Stoller, post-colonial scholar Ann Stoller um, nudges us to do. Um, I'm curious to know what your own relationship to that archive is. What is it at an embodied level? What is it as at an affective level? Um, how do you come to treat that archive? What are the Yeah, tell us more about your relationship to the archive. I think for me uh, personally, it's been about locating um, the genealogy of people like myself in the university as a means to direct or inform why I'm here. Why, as a Black woman from Zimbabwe, am I at the University of Edinburgh? And part of answering that question for myself is about turning back to kind of see what ancestral work has been happening 
before me um, and what that has meant for all these people and all these stories um, around me. And so I think it's very personal in that, um, in, in terms of kind of seeking, um, yeah, seeking my place in the place of things and um, figuring out how other people have navigated the real challenges that come with being a quote unquote minority in this space, um, being the other, being someone who um, is by design supposed to experience kind of the, the violence that the academy um, and the knowledge that it upholds um, inflicts on people like myself. And so the archive for me is going through that generational memory and finding myself in that. Powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I think for um, me, like, I, like, generally didn't know what an archive was when I started with Uncover Ed and, like, hadn't been in one. And, like, I guess, like, through Uncover Ed, got to know, like, a new kind of space and, and the kind of, like, restrictions that come with that and, like, the feelings that come with being an archive, which are very difficult but also exciting. This kind of idea of, like, excavating, like we mentioned earlier, and also this process of, like, using your body to like go you know turn pages of these like massive books and um you know lift them and return them and, and kind of like feel all these things through it so that it was quite an intimidating experience at first I'd say from from myself and I'm not sure if anyone else agrees with that but yeah just kind of moving into the space that's kind of like feels very exclusive and feels like um I don't know like I guess the idea of being like a researcher and an academic like I hadn't really grappled with yet um but now I actually do feel like archives for, for our work with Uncover Eds like I, I feel a lot more comfortable in those sorts of spaces those institutionalized spaces of an archive I actually feel more control over them in a way of, of knowing that we we can use the archive as a way to investigate and also interrogate like the past present and future um and, and use what's in it to kind of turn like history and ideas on its head so I think, yeah, in a lot of ways, like the archive at first seemed like this kind of massive thing, but actually just like every kind of other institution, it is like a product of like colonial and imperial activity. And I think once you kind of like realize that there's a lot more power like afforded to the person that's researching and, and working with the material from it. I like that idea because it, you know, it pushes back against the assumption that, um, the, the, that we can read the archive only as a site of exclusion, right? Only as a site where we don't belong. It sounds like the kind of work that you're doing with that archive is A, placing your own histories and biographies and making sense of how racialized communities have existed, always existed, you know, or existed um, at different moments within the university. Um, but also in that project, you're also excavating um, something about Edinburgh's imperial and colonial past. And I wonder how you do that work simultaneously, right? Like um, what has been kind of the most curious discovery or kind of unexpected find in the archive? I think for me, just um, to go back to what Natasha was saying, similarly, um, I'd never been in an archive before. And what was interesting was getting into this place with, which was very intimidating. But then we sort of, we were there in a group. So there was like 10 of us 
And even if we're supposed to be in silence, we're always, you know, walking around, just talking to each other and whispering. So we sort of made that space, which was so intimidating, our own. And um, that led us to sort of become, to familiarize with the archive on different terms. And, and so we would find, you know, the findings would sort of follow each other. And, and whenever we found something, we'd take it to the other, to the next person and say, I know you're looking at this, maybe you're interested in this as well. So the archive sort of showed us an agency, not of the archive, but the stuff that was archived itself, if that makes sense, sort of pointing us towards, um, you know, direction and where to go. And for me, one of the, the, the most interesting discoveries at first, which, which still, still um, is a very important find for me, is how the university through the, the student newspaper and the Edinburgh University Journal um, we found out that the university really was um, uh, knew itself as an imperial university, as a site of empire, as an agent of empire. Um, and uh, before the 1950s, 1945 really, the University of Edinburgh just talked about itself as an agent of empire, as a proud agent of empire. Oh, and after the 1945, that language disappears completely. It just vanishes. Right. It often does, as it often yeah. does. Yeah, and um, that, that, that's for me something that really just, um, yeah, motivated us to, to uh, me at least, to go forward and um, sort of follow what the archive was suggesting we should, we should go towards. And and Leah, how did the university language itself as an imperial force, like what, you know, like what, can you give us some examples? Was it in explicit ways? Yeah, very explicit. I could I could jump in there as well and say, um, particularly looking at the um, the alumni journals. I think they were that we were going through, um, and just reading. For example, maybe there was an obituary that was um, dedicated to someone, and it would just very proudly and clearly say this person served um, in uh, Nigeria or in Rhodesia or in this place, um, gave their life away to that, you know, meaningful <laughs> selfless cause um, for the empire, for um, uh, the the United Kingdom, and just. I don't think that I have ever so explicitly encountered that kind of um, pride in the empire before. I think maybe this is just the kind of um, context that I've kind of grown up under, but I, I it was always such an obvious evil to me and such an obvious um, harm and obvious violence. Um, but that's very much my experience and my perspective and having access to a completely different worldview, a, a white worldview of what the hell was going on <laughs> during the empirical um, um, period is so, I think really brings nuance into my ideas about um, what the intentions were behind uh, the, the pursuit of the empire and kind of how it contributed to nation building and not only nation building, but um, just configure how, how these uh, men and women who were serving in the colonies configured their identities in gendered ways and racialized ways and class um, ways um, and, and that being so very different to 
my experience of what those things are and so it definitely points towards I think the ongoing gaps or the cognitive dissonance that I describe it as that's we still experiencing now with um, racialized people saying one thing about their experience of empire and kind of the upholders of white supremacy and um, fascism saying a completely different thing here in the same space and time. So that was fascinating for me personally. And I'm and I I know that to do the kind of research and archival work that you're doing um, as racialized people as well is there's different stakes involved in that kind of work, right? Um, where have you felt? Um, I mean, what has that meant for you? What has that meant for you? What it, what has it been like doing this kind of work while situated in the university, right? Because you're also challenging. A historical legacy of an institution that you are a part of um, and that you're in, in some way invested in or maybe not what can you tell us more about what how have you negotiated that ambivalence um well, actually, it was really difficult <laughs> um and right from the beginning because it's not just that it's not just the ambivalence of like being a part of the university and like investigating it and dealing with our daily experiences but then within the actual team the, the racial dynamics and the some of us had a very kind of emotional or like visceral response to things we were finding in the archive and some people just didn't and there were ways we could balance it in terms of like some people would do some research and you know other people would look at other things or some people had like a personal connection that they wanted to investigate but then there's also the uh, hierarchies of trying to uh, you know explain like I'm not comfortable doing this or I'm not comfortable talking about this in this way or I don't want to use this language or I don't want to read this you know day in day out for hours um, that was really difficult or like how are we and then at the point of like writing up our research and putting together an exhibition how do we present it in a way that we're comfortable with and proud of um, but it's also serving a function for the university and we had to like negotiate that or I don't know it was just something we came up against and we had to deal with. Um, but yeah, it was difficult. And I think it's something we're still kind of trying to figure out how we want to frame it going forward and um, what that relationship is going to look like. But I think we have uh, done well at um, democratizing it a bit more. <laughs> um, and I think we all feel like equal partners going into this, whereas uh, it didn't always feel like that. I think, yeah, Hannah's like completely right. I think like definitely in the first like few times the project ran, um, or like the few first few sessions there was definitely those kind of power imbalances that maybe there wasn't or I at least didn't quite have the language for at the time but actually looking back now thinking about like certain situations or or even just like yeah like the power within the the, the project and, and reasons for coming into the project and um, I guess like yeah like the the difference between like your own personal interests because um, of your lived experience, um, but also, yeah, the personal interest of like being an academic and, and kind of like between those two things as well. It was like really, yeah, something I reflect quite a lot on and, and, and taking that forward and like projects I'm involved with now, like how how are these like structures, like what, what is the kind of like situation with everyone involved and how will people experience things differently and, 
um, how to like, look after those people as well. I think maybe that wasn't really considered like elements of like care or debriefing that, that could have like come into certain things or even just like people stepping back when, when um, it was maybe their time to step back and, and giving other people those positions. Um, but I think those kind of issues that came up are good to reflect on now as like the project goes forward. And I think like definitely now it feels like it's in a good place of um, intentions in the right place. And, and also like the kind of outward facing thing of like the, the project and its relationship to the university. I think on a personal note as well, like having left the university now um, is like a really nice kind of arm's length way of critiquing it. I think being at the university made it harder in a lot of ways um, because I guess just when you're in the thick of it like it, it is always harder to to think about the space or um, yeah I guess give it that kind of like proper reflection but I think now for me at least it's like yeah like I can I can kind of like have a bird's eye view of what's happening with it and actually like think about ways in which the those kind of structures actually fail completely and and then actually how like something like uncover ed can work within the university and work to like be a space or a supportive space that helps um students of color it sounds like uncover ed is trying to maintain a critical distance with the university to be able to do the kind of work that you're doing where do you see um where do you see its future what kind of projects would you would you like to see manifest through Uncover Ed that haven't haven't yet had you know resources or time to develop? I think for me, I'm really excited about um, like expanding our idea of the archive, uh, different places we can explore, like getting away from institutions, getting away from the University of Edinburgh, um, and going into the community and like looking at these different sources of knowledge that we have and, and, and the different types of knowledge we can produce as well. Like, um, I don't know, I'm excited about that. If we can get into like oral histories, contemporary archiving, um, what does it look like? Like other than just producing like academic essays, how can we like run workshops or, I don't know, can we do something productive? <laughs> um, and like useful, like, uh, like Natasha was saying about um, being a resource and a place for students of color, like, I don't know, I just think there's so much there. Um, I'm excited to like get imaginative about that. I'll say um, there isn't anything in particular that I will I, I want to share that I'm excited about um, because I have no doubt that the people who are in, in Uncovered and actually doing the labor of going through the archives and doing the work um, have a brilliant vision and an intention and one that's honest and true to them. So I don't have any doubt in that I think what I'm more interested in um, kind of observing is the sustainability or the authenticity of the intention from an institutional level and so what um, level of engagement um, or commitment um, structural and resource wise can we expect from the University of Edinburgh I don't doubt that we can make uncovered a, an even more spearheading force in kind of what we're interested in doing, but we can't do that work if there is 
a lack of intention or a, a, a lack of um, authentic, genuine um, wanting to make a change on um, a leadership level, on a departmental level, on a on literally the very DNA of the university. We know that historically the academy was used as an instrument of violence deployed against racialized people, um, and we, we that history is so clear to us because we we work with it. And so how, to what extent is the University of Edinburgh emerging from that original intention? To what extent is it maintaining its position as another ivory tower to educate um, an elite class of people in society? And so that for me is what I want to say. That for me, it will kind of be the um, deciding factor to the extent of the work in cover ed can do and the impact that we can have because I mean right now it's very it's very sexy across academia to say decolonize and to say black lives matter and to say you know it's 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 very trendy um but I mean trends are ephemeral and we want to know just how 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 what kind of life can we expect for this kind of work from the university from that as well I think at the beginning we were quite invested in like transforming the university and this idea of decolonization and um where we could take it and what we could do to the university and I think now we're more at a point of like okay the university is not going to change it's a fundamentally imperial institution but like what can we still do within that or like how how can Uncovered exist within that um and what kind of space can we create um so yeah I completely agree and like I don't know I don't know if we'll get to a point where, or like, I would love to be that site of resistance <laughs> that the university is like, we don't want to be associated with that because they are like hell raisers <laughs> um, and they're pushing us too far. And, you know, we can't be so, like, I would love that. <laughs> um, but even without getting to that point, if we're not the decolonial force, how can we be an anti-colonial force? Or how can we be a safe space? I don't know. Um, but, um, I think that's an exciting space too, even if it's not the transformative body itself like it can be something else yeah you're all opening up such really important questions um i think questions around what the university means when they talk about you know decolonization what this um kind of what these aspirations mean what kind of work you're all engaged with for listeners that are thinking about these kinds of questions um, in their teaching, in their research, um, I mean, I think part of the challenge is how we conceptualize the project of decolonization or what it means, right? Because it does take on different grammars uh, depending on which, which communities we're talking about, what lands are we talking about, what is the political project of decolonization. And, um, I think that, um, yeah, I think Tanetsi, as you said, it, it becomes a sexy buzzword that becomes vacant of meaning, right? Um, again, and so for listeners um, paying attention to what that project means, what, what, what cues would you lend? What does it mean? How do you imagine it? How do you think about it? What are your inheritances as well for thinking about this project? I think just as um, as Hannah was saying, just about um, how we'd rather we'd rather not be liked by the university than actually praised by it. 
it just reminds me specifically of conversations that I that I have um, that have been had on campus, where um, the vice chancellor, for example, is um, um, you know the moment the vice chancellor uses the word decolonizing and his intentions to decolonizing, you know that the word has a problem, that that it's been used by the university to do exactly what um, what we don't want it to do. And, and within Uncovered, we've always had this, this tension between, you know, being critical of the institution and fearing that no matter how critical we were, we were always reproducing the interests of the university. Because in many ways, Uncovered has always been a PR exercise by the, by the university, you know, marketing strategy. And our, our um, focus in, in the first two years, I think now we're two years uncovered has been running. Um, the focus really has been just sort of taking it away from the hands of the university. That's always been our, um, our intention and, and which takes an enormous, am an enormous amount of labor, um, emotional mm -hmm. especially. And also it did land in a, in a position where we aren't a funding priority anymore. So even if we are part of the university, Currently, we don't even receive funding from the university. We only work on a commission base. So we're basically freelancers. Um, right. And, but in a way, that's a win. In a way, that's actually a right. win. Right. And I imagine like the, the, you know, the intention there is not being rebels for the sake of being rebels, but it's to forge that critical distance as a way to hold the university accountable, right? And it is really difficult to hold the university accountable when A, you're of the institution, B, you're being funded and branded by the university and see that that work is being used to, you know, further conceal um, um, the hard histories that maybe we don't want to look at, right? All of that becomes super challenging. I know um, these are also questions that Rates Ed have had to think about at different moments and continue to think about. Um, so yeah, okay, so tell me more though, tell me more then about what, like what is the vision of decoloniality for Uncover Ed? What, what does that look like? I think we're, I guess like even the first step in like decoloniality is just like getting paid. Like we don't, we're not getting paid right now. Like we like <laughs> are underfunded, like, and I think that in terms of any, that is the first step towards anything is knowing that, okay, we have like a budget put into this project and we can actually use because we're all like very capable and all have our own knowledge and other projects that we're doing and um, to actually just value our time, I think for me is like the really important first step to, to, to taking anything or even, I don't know, I guess like, I think we have a lot of things we want to do. Like, can we do that without money? Because the answer is no, unless we want to like burn out and, and kind of like suffer ourselves. So I think for me, that is the beginnings. Um, before anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being resourced so that, that you can up, execute um, the work the you're already last doing. last conversation that we had as a big group was we don't want our work to be about history. We want our work to be about the present, although it's very much rooted in history because we're students of history and that is kind of where, that is the, the primary resource for understanding what has led us to the present moment 
it's not about there was a race issue, there was a colonialism issue in Edinburgh. It's about the University of Edinburgh is a colonial institution historically and presently. And what are we doing about that? And so it would be great to see our work and our research um, and all the labor that we're putting into this project used across the university, used whether that means in decolonizing curricula or in, re in rethinking or reimagining what departments look like and uh, what um, admissions criteria are, is for the university and what kind of support is needed for um, students of color you know, can you actually use our labor <laughs> and pay us for it? You know, we're not, we're not doing it to make another archive on the internet to be looked upon. We're doing it so something can be done. We're doing it because we're saying there is a problem. It is historic and we want to see it stop. We want to see it transformed and we want to participate in this collective reimagining of what the university might look like differently might look like as a community-centered place, as a, 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 an, an anti-hierarchy um, place, you know, I, I, this is the work we want to do, that's, these are kind of the kind of like the, the, the basic tenets of decoloniality, I mean, that's a huge question about how are, are we kind of seeing our intentions to decolonize, you know, that is work beyond our generation you know this is work that's ongoing but we we want to see that kind of if we think of it as an engine that needs to be started we want to see it started and revved up yeah that's a beautiful that's a beautiful explanation and I think that as we think about so if we take this metaphor of the engine that's starting up we we see that you know there's an engine Taking, there's an engine starting up at the university institutionally around these questions. And then there's collectives like yours that are carving out um, niche spaces to do really radical work. And so do you see Uncover Ed um, and the university's aspirations around decolonization at all compatible? Is this, do you, you know, and if so, what is required um, from, from on your end to be able to do work together what what kind of i mean natasha already spoke about resources like that's one thing um but what other kind of support would you need to really bring uncover ed into the the channels of decolonial work happening across the university one thing i can think of is just having direct relationship with um i can think for example the uh, anatomical museum of the university and have direct say um, in, in, in questions of repatriations, um, mm -hmm. there's, there's an incredible amount of colonial loot and, and, and um, artifacts that the university right. holds um, that don't belong at the university, don't belong to the University of Edinburgh. Um, so, well, th this is just a partial answer. It's just something that I can think of that. Um, but um, yeah, having a say in how, um, yeah what to do with that and, and, and is, is um, one way that I can see that uh, being answered. That makes a lot of sense. Having a voice in what the reparative justice project is, right? Which is, I guess, one way you're also defining decolonization here. 
And not only having a voice, but having a voice that's not noise to other people. And I don't know if that's about us at all, but I, I know that there are, you know, there are people who may regard us as a playgroup that's doing the BLM work, <laughs> that's doing the racial justice work because yeah, give them the space they want, give them the, the mic that they want. But do you actually believe in what we're doing? Do you actually see value in the voice that you're listening to or is it noise? For me, that's that's really the thing. That's the really the thing that determines whether or not we're doing this for ourselves to be an eco chamber, or are we actually catalyzing a moment of recognition um, within the university and um, especially like within um, uh, circles of, of of white faculty and white students? Is there kind of that recognition with empire and colonialism and white supremacy? You know, it's, it's, this is not about, it's definitely not about us. And the conversation about um, uh, racialized people is always, it's, I think, uh, displayed as this inward facing work that it's for them, about them. But it's like, no, it's, it's not. It's your work to do. Um, and it's harming us. And I, I think that moment of real recognition and, uh, and real actual valuing this voice that is uncovered um, is what, again, determines the trajectory of the project. Absolutely. And it also raises the question of how, um, how, you know, what is the invitation here for how we understand whiteness and white supremacy? Because I think what you're also articulating is that the work that you're all engaged with and the work that some of these collectives are engaged with it's not just about representation of, you know, quote unquote, BAME communities or about changing the face of leadership, right? Because this is about, you know, this project begins and ends with inclusion. I think that you're all doing something much more radical, asking for something much more radical, and it has to challenge, has to challenge white supremacy, right? Now, I know that there's um, folks probably listening to this that um, are would hear this and ask like what what does that even mean like what what is what is what are you asking here right and so how do we encourage um, a kind of decolonial project that is both um, you know opening deepening space for racialized communities not just to survive but to thrive right while simultaneously tackling these questions of whiteness and white supremacy and the violence that that produces. I would like for there to be an existential crisis within the university to really question, why are we here? Why have we been here in the past? And what collectively are we building in our world as an academy? What is the role of an academy? What does it reproduce in society? And how are we active and complicit in the reproduction of those things? Again, whether it's um, kind of structures of class and race and um, I mean, for, for, for there to be um, an educator, there has to be an assumed someone who needs to be educated, right? And that is a conversation about power and a conversation about where does knowledge come from and who has the right to disseminate knowledge and who needs knowledge and of course, what knowledge and where does it come from and how is it produced, et cetera. Very huge conversations. I think to, to imagine that now is a lot of labor when there isn't 
a collective effort towards that and so for anyone listening especially if uh, you are white and are complicit in um, experiencing the the privileges that have come whether they're apparent to you or not um, by being white or by being from the the global north um, or, or western heritages and cultures invite some crisis and chaos into your life as we all have to have been doing generationally this is this is stuff that we know how to do to be in crisis um i think crisis can lead us to something better i love that answer i think it i think it reflects back the idea that this work is messy it's uncomfortable it's hard it's not always feel good work you know, it ruptures our own sense of being in the world, right? And that includes, I mean, racialized communities who also internalize whiteness or also reproduce hierarchies of whiteness within our own relationships to different, to other racialized communities as well. So I think that the work is upon us, all of us. your time thank you for the work that you've um, dared to take on this was this was such a treat to learn more about the work you're all engaged with and i hope that we can stay connected and do more work together as we map out and imagine what these possibilities are listeners to undersong race and conversations otherwise you can find this and all our other episodes on the race ed website that is www.race.ed.ac.uk and on the soundcloud you can subscribe to receive brand new podcast episodes and share undersong with colleagues students and friends <laughs>